Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of Disco Nights, you'll love Inglorious Trexperts, the hit Star Trek podcast for Star Trek fans with a life. Join Darren Doctorman and me every week as we take you inside 50 years of Star Trek and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Available every Sunday at 17100 hours wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hey, this is Chase Masters and host of Disco Nights inviting you to join us every Sunday as the disco party continues with our fabulous guests. Like us. Like us. Like you. And you, our audience. So we'll see you here next Sunday night. Bring your disco shoes. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by Jodorowsky's Dune producer Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, where they explore some of the greatest movies that were never made, from E.T. 2 to Tim Burton's Superman, Night Skies to Star Trek The Academy Years. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you'd never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is Oscar Week. Welcome as we celebrate the a week of Oscar-winning classics. <laughs> maybe not classics. <laughs> Why are you not wearing your tuxes, guys? We are. I mean, where's the red carpet? I was promised a red carpet. Welcome, Steve Melching. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'd like to thank my agent and my manager and the studio. (laughs) And the winner is Darren Dodgerman. (laughs) And the Oscar goes to La La Land. No. Sorry. (laughs) And Moonlighting as our other um, participant, uh, curator of great movie theme weeks, is Mr. Ashley Edward Miller. Um. I'm not the representative from Price Waterhouse, <laughs> so uh, I, I can't tell you if what Darren said was accurate or not. Uh, I would like to propose, since they had such a difficult time finding a host for this year's Oscar host. ceremony, that we host yeah. it. What do you think? With the four of us, I could need to host go the Oscars? a bunch of tweets, honestly, before we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. Probably have to delete a few tweets before we uh, host, because apparently you can't say anything about anything anymore. God forbid you have an opinion about something. The selections um, for this week's films have been kept in a locked briefcase in the <laughs> custody of the accountants. Unfortunately, TSA lost it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, this is an exciting week because, you know, look, I, it, it's become, um, you know, pretty common now people just to uh, uh, make fun of the Oscars and not take it seriously and it's lo- you know, losing its audience. But to me, growing up, the Oscars were always super important. You know, I mean, it, it, it is one of the few days where Hollywood goes back to the, the, the classic glamour of the golden age of Hollywood. Everyone dresses in their, you know, tuxedos and fancy ball gowns. And, and uh, there, there's a sense of elegance and propriety that is not associated with contemporary Hollywood. So, I, I, I mean, and I remember being, you know, having my, you know, sitting in front of the TV, getting to stay up super late to watch the six-hour Oscar ceremony, <laughs> you know, growing up. And it was always something really important to me, uh, you know, watching the Oscars. And it continues to be important, although, you know, as I think we'd all acknowledge, um, it does seem that uh, they're getting it right less and less these days. Yeah, I, I, I always look, very much look forward to the Oscars. I think the first Oscar ceremony I watched was the uh, 
the the awards for the the films of 1977 because ah. Star Wars was nominated mm-hmm. for so many Oscars. Uh, that would have been in 78, I guess, when they when the show right. aired. Um, and I remember watching with you know barely contained excitement as each category came up that had a Star Wars uh, you know nomination. And my parents were like kind of making fun of me, like you know for best costume design, mm-hmm. you know. I said, oh, Star Wars. And my parents like, why do you think, you know, a spaceman is going to win that? You know, and you see the, the, the nominees coming out and it's like uh, Airport 77 and they're like pilot outfits. I'm like, why would a pilot outfit win that? <laughs> and then the Star Wars guys come out and there's a stormtrooper and a Tusken Raider and all that. And I'm like, yeah. And then it won. And I'm like, see in your face. <laughs> but then Annie Hall beat it for best picture. I was like, no, this is a terrible travesty. How can a, another movie possibly defeat Star Wars for Best Picture. Yeah, it's funny. Back in 78, I felt the same way. I've subsequently revised my opinion, but back in 78, I I, I did definitely was like, um, I was was really angry about the fact that uh, Annie Hall had beaten Star Wars. Um, You know, one of my favorite things about the Oscars is um, back in, I guess it was 77, was, um, uh, you know, they would always perform Best Song. Mm -hmm. So um, Ave Satani, from The Omen was nominated for, uh, for Best Song, uh, Jerry Goldsmith. So they performed that at the Oscars. Wow. Can you imagine, like, the satanic Ave? I can't even listen to the, on the soundtrack, it's so scary. And, and wow. it's just like they performed it's like, and now Ave Satani by Jerry Goldsmith from The Omen. Didn't win. No. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking how, um, how that name would have been pronounced. Uh, by Vinnie Barbarino. <laughs> <laughs> did you have? A, did you guys have a famous, Os- a favorite Oscar host? I like Carson. I yeah. I mean, you know, Johnny folks, Carson back in, back years, many years ago, Johnny Carson was a late night talk show host um, who uh, worked for many years on a show called The Tonight Show. Uh, some of you may not stay up that late, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I loved him because it, it was he he was just um, reverential enough and not reverential at all. So Ashley, for you, it was Anne Hathaway and James Franco, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, I uh, personally, I'm a little partial to Billy Crystal. I think mm-hmm. because the last Oscar broadcast I truly enjoyed was uh, was one that he hosted. Mm-hmm. I it just felt like over the years they've gotten a little more bloated and and silly and. Mm-hmm. Um, the red carpet is always kind of the best part. Uh, otherwise, I'm like, come on, like, let's get to the the awards. But um, I thought Billy Crystal was consistently just very funny. He sort of he brought the he brought everything down to earth in a great way. And I remember um, the year that he just did all of his own songs for all of the Best Picture nominees. Oh right, um, right. You know those lips, those eyes, those hips. Surprise, the crying game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I have to agree with you. I thought Billy Crystal was phenomenal, and I think. You know, unfortunately, his legacy was sort of tarnished a little bit because he came back a couple of years later when they were desperate, and mm. it just it, 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 he wasn't as good, he wasn't on, on his game, yeah. um, and and you forget how really magnificent he was uh, uh, when you know he was doing it, and then just of course wait till those, you see what he does this year. Those great, yeah, <laughs> but the, the, those great Troy Miller um, um, uh, parody the, films yeah, that they would I was do. Where say he, those were he started those right. Yeah, those yeah, yeah. He's where he put himself in the in the in the movies. Uh, and those and, great montages, um, gosh, uh, uh, who did those uh, montages? Oh, uh, not Wanamaker, something. Jessica von Puttermaker? <laughs> yes, yes. 
but they, they made these really wonderful montages of film mm-hmm. that were just really fun to watch. I, I always like watching the Oscars because there was there was always kind of an educational component for me. I would always learn well, something. I used to like watching the Oscars because it had it had all the actors and stuff, but it also had all the behind the scenes right. people in it mm-hmm. before they started shunting them off into that other non televised mm. uh, thing. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's getting worse and worse every year. But wow. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, the two things I really miss that I think that the last few years have been most guilty of is it, you, it, it falls into that like, well, I guess film history started in 1975 with Jaws. Like, it, it used to be these great clip packages which mm-hmm. would celebrate all these classic movies, and now they're so concerned about the ratings that it's all. I mean, occasionally they'll do, you know, it seems like the, the most clips that are in black and white are in, in memoriam, you know, right. mm-hmm. that uh, you don't have these great clip packages or tributes to these really significant films, you know, and that are having anniversaries and things like that. And it, it's, 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 it's really sad because I think you have this enormous audience and it's a chance to introduce them like we try to do on a much smaller level to these great movies. And so I miss that. And the other thing I miss is, the big stars, you know, it used to be at the Oscars, you you know, it'd be whether you love him or hate him, John Wayne, and you'd be, you know, Jimmy Stewart and Jack Nicholson, you could always count on. And it was it was a place where it's like more stars than there are in heaven, kind of. And now it's like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's Rob Lowe or, you know, whatever. It's like, who cares? you know, it's like, where are the stars? Well, and I wonder if the producers of the show are just chasing the wrong audience. You know, mm-hmm. they're obsessed with getting a huge general audience but we don't live in that world anymore Mm -hmm. people don't care you know i feel like maybe they'd be more successful if they leaned into the audience of film lovers the people that really love movies and love the history of films and and brought to you by geritol yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) you know it's like that the niche niche audience programming these days you know yeah you you know uh, I, i that i think that is the danger of so many of the things that we watch now trying to become generally uh, uh, enjoyed by everybody. When you when you make everyone like it, nobody likes it's it. It's focus group television. You're yeah. chasing yeah. an audience. Because, you know, there used to be people had a vision and, and, and they trusted their vision. The audience will follow me mm-hmm. if I do something. And now it's all like, what does the audience want? You know, let's try and anticipate and let's give try and give them. But the audience doesn't know what they want until they get it. You know, I mean, well, and, and to some extent, the Academy is aiding and abetting that by, you know, kind of now we can have up to 10 Best Picture right. nominees to try to get popular films. Right. And nominations. all they've done is confuse things. Yeah. Well, that was look to me. That was an abomination mm-hmm. this year yeah. when they announced and thankfully pulled it. The uh, popular film category. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was such a ratings like as though there's a difference, you know, best film, and popular film. The, the Oscars is supposed to celebrate the best in cinema. The, the, the best achievement, the, the highest technical quality. And to, to suddenly say, we're the People's Choice Awards. We're going right. to celebrate the pop. So you'll come and watch Black Panther because we're going to sell you know, give Black Panther an award. You know, uh, and look, I love Black Panther. I don't think it's the best picture. Yeah. I think it's a great movie. Um, but then we're going to create this award just so we can find an excuse to give the Dark Knight, you know, an award and right. stuff. Like, that's when so they... May- well, maybe some people will tune in to watch it get an award as if the, the audience cares. I think the montage director you were thinking of was Chuck Workman. Yes, that's it. Mm. Chuck Workman. Oh, a weird thing has kind of happened, though, with the um, with the with the Best Picture category. But it's been happening for a very, very long time. I mean, probably as, as long as we have been sapient enough to understand what that, that award was. But... You know, originally, Best Picture was really a producer's award. It was an award mm-hmm. that was about a production. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about the whole package of the film and, and how that film was made. And it has evolved into a bit of a 
popularity contest between um, the cool kid that's on the list mm-hmm. and the kid that the, all the nerds like. Right. Hmm. Um, which I don't know if that's the best way of divining, like, what is truly the best picture in any given year? Like, what, well, what really represents the, the highest achievement? And on the other side of the popularity thing, the best picture award has gone to movies that no one has seen. Yes, which is ridiculous. Yes. And often uh, not not the most well deserving either. That either they had the best campaign, or mm-hmm. it was the you know quote unquote politically correct choice. Right. And you know a lot of great art is is has been neglected. You know, kind of the the way you know now it's become a, a campaign. You know, it's like politics. You know, and and uh, it, it it's it's although the, you know the Oscars haven't had a great history. You know, let's be fair, even. Right. Yeah. You know, in, in necessarily in picking the movies that would endure that were the, the really the best picture. Right. But it's, it's always it's interesting. Subjective to... political. You know, it's always fodder for for uh, for debate. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe the Oscars in a way were kind of started as a marketing. They absolutely in the first were. Place. Yeah. Um, and and I'm not crazy about the 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 changes that the Academy has made to its membership. This notion of if you haven't worked on a movie in 10 years or more, you're out. You don't get to vote for the Oscars anymore. I mean, that's I mean, right. Like, like doesn't that mean like insult. Billy Wilder would have been kicked out right. like, you know, after a while? And... As if people lose their critical faculties and, and are unworthy of voting for the Oscars, even though they when they've worked in the, the business for yeah. maybe decades. Yeah, uh-huh. I agree. I also think there's an argument for that. But <laughs> well, <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah, the Oscars <laughs> are what they are. You know, you can't take them too seriously. Um, you know. Well, remember, two thirds of the voting academy are actors who haven't worked in a while. Yeah, well, that, right? that's absolutely true. Which but explains I, a lot of SAG choices. I, I, I do <laughs> feel like, yeah, the SAG awards. I can't even watch them. It's ridiculous. But the, the, what's so terrific is one day a year, the film industry comes together to celebrate cinema, yeah. and you know, in an age in which. Um, movies have become just content and widgets. It's nice to see it once again regarded as an art form, whatever we think of the result. Um, And also I want to mention, you mentioned Chuck Workman. Uh, There was a wonderful Chuck uh, Workman montage that he did for the 100th anniversary of film. It's uh, uh, and and um, it's on YouTube. I'm going to put it up on the 4:30 Movie uh, Facebook page and 4:30 Movie uh, Twitter feed. I'll put a link to that. It's just a magnificent celebration of a hundred years mm-hmm. of uh, motion pictures and uh, very moving and 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 just some real great classics. But anyway, we're here uh, to uh, praise. Uh, the Oscars, not to bury it. And um, uh, so uh, we're going to curate a week of uh, best picture winners, best five best picture winners. Now, as always, these are not necessarily the best, best pictures. <laughs> these are the movies for a variety of reasons. We feel we would program on the 430 movie because they feel right to us, whether it's uh, to educate, whether it's because they resonate for us in a certain way. Doesn't necessarily mean they're the best movies, but we feel that they're the best movies for Tuesday or Wednesday <laughs> or Thursday or especially Friday. So um, uh, without any further ado, back to the show and our first presenter is Steve Melching. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> um, yeah, this was when I sat down to try to figure out what movie I was going to pick. Uh, you know, I perused the list of winners over the years, and it, it was a hard choice because I really love a lot of these movies. There were a lot of times where I, I think they did get it right, um, and so it was it was a difficult choice. And, and if we were recording the show next week, I might have a totally different choice. Mm. But uh, my pick 
for Monday. It may not be the best Monday movie, but it's my pick anyway, and I'm sticking to it. Is the first film to win the Academy Award that was Wings. rated X. Ooh. Oh, yes. What? The first film rated, rated X. Rated X, oh, Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy mm. from 1969, directed by John Schlesinger, uh, written by uh, Waldo Salt, based on the novel by James Hurley, starring John Voight, Dustin Hoffman. Features the famous line, I'm walking here. But uh, I, this was a movie that I saw for the first time. I'd heard of it, um, and I was maybe a little scared of it when I'd heard of it. Um, but I saw it in film school, like so many of the great films I saw. That that period of time uh, in film school was just um, a revelation. I, I, it was the first time as a, as a young man uh, being exposed to all of these great films of cinema history, and most of them on the big screen, the way they're meant to be seen. And this was a movie that I saw in the Norris Theater at USC that just blew me away. I was just completely taken by this movie. Um, the, I love the soundtrack, the uh, Everybody's Talking, and the uh, the um, John Barry uh, uh, harmonica music mm-hmm. that he won the Grammy for. Uh, I love the performances, like John Voight. What about uh, Harry Hoffman. Nielsen? Yeah, Harry Nielsen everyone's singing, everyone's talking at me. Um it was uh, a movie that was nominated for seven Oscars and uh, won three. It won Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Uh, it was also nominated for editing and for acting awards for Dustin Hoffman, John Voight, and Sylvia Miles. Um, and I think I was thinking about this on the drive over today. I think the reason why this movie resonates with me personally is the themes of loneliness and wanting to make a connection with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, As a kid growing up, my father uh, was in the military, and so we would move every couple of years. And in the 70s and 80s, that meant saying goodbye to all of your friends and moving sometimes thousands of miles away to a, a new neighborhood, a new school. And of course, in those days, in the 70s and 80s, you were probably never going to see any of your friends again. They were just There was gone. no Facebook. There's no Facebook. There's no Twitter. There's no texting. There's no, you know, uh, uh, long-distance calls were very expensive. Plane tickets were very expensive. So I was lonely a lot as a kid for, for periods of time when I was a, I wondered if I'd ever be able to, make, you know, make, a, make new friends. Um, and so watching this this movie, you know, that the sort of the sadness and loneliness in these characters always touched something in me. And um, I just always think it's just a really gritty, interesting film. They do a lot of, um, it sort of comes out of that uh, 60s, early 70s explosion of experimental film. There's a lot of interesting editing going on in it, uh, jumping around in time. Um, it's it's for the location work in New York City in the late 60s. Um, it was filmed in the uh, summer of 68. In fact, the I'm walking here scene was filmed the day of uh, Robert Kennedy's funeral. So it was a strange mood on the set that day. Um but that that melancholia of the film just always resonated for me, and it's it's a film that I can't say I enjoy watching it, but I, I it always yeah. moves me t- to watch. Well, I'll tell you, Steve, I, I think it's a terrific movie, 
And, uh, you know, I have, I, you know, I, I, another message. Look, I loathe John Voight politically, yeah. just like I loathe Charlton Heston politically. Doesn't mean I don't want to watch their movies. Absolutely. Doesn't mean I believe they should be banned. No. You know, it's like, guess what? I disagree with them strongly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is the thing. It's like, uh, I mean, I'm seeing it more and more. It's like, you know, we have to shut him down. You know, we have to have, you know, it's like, ugh, he's so great in that, you know, and it, it's such a great movie. Now, my problem with 1960, with, 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 the, with the movie Midnight Cowboy is that it beat Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Now, I got to tell you, to me, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a better movie than Midnight Cowboy, but I do love it. And uh, they both have know, cowboys in them. They do. <laughs> they both they have cowboys in them. And you know the Good other. Night. And and you know that was also uh, the year that Costa Garvis's Z was nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> strangely well, that, enough, Hello Dolly. That's a testament to like there were so many great films being made in that era. You know the late '60s and the early '70s. There's just it, the competition was fierce. And I, I love uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid as well. It's marvelous entertainment. Um, but that was my pick for Western Week, so we don't have to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> I find it a little lightweight. It's it's a masterpiece, but it's you know it's an entertainment. And I don't know. To me, Midnight Cowboy is just uh, you know. And wasn't it re-rated? Isn't it, it an was, R now? It was it's no longer a few X. years later. It was re-rated uh-huh. R. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, Hoffman. This was Dustin Hoffman's. It was going to be his first film. He right. agreed to do it before he did The Graduate. And when he took The Graduate, he was afraid he wouldn't be able to do this one. But mm. they worked it out schedule-wise. Um, yeah, and I, I disagree with John Voight politically as well. But he is gives a terrific performance in the movie and you know, is, is well-deserving of the accolades. Well, I've never seen Midnight Cowboy. Oh my! Right. It's like we can add this to the to the list, list of, of movies, movies Ashley's never right? seen <laughs> for like for the, it's it's stuff Ashley's never seen week. Um, but um, and but I have seen Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which I love on every level. But Steve, the way that you talk about Midnight Cowboy, it's just it's so personal and affecting. It just it makes me want to go out and watch it. Um, makes me want to give you a hug. Right, it does make me want to give him a hug. Sometimes people need hugs, Darren. You know, hugs not drugs. Uh, hugs but, and uh, drugs. Hugs and you know what? You're right. Why choose between those two things? But no, it, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it, look, it's, it's a great movie in a great way. Uh, I don't know if we can air it on the 430 movie, <laughs> be the first X-rated movie to win an Oscar. But um, that said, uh, we'll make that allowance, and uh, it'll be edited for television. <laughs> Almost as bad as being panda scanned. So, nice. uh, Mr. Uh, Darren Dockerman, Tuesday. Tuesday. Well, uh, I think this may, uh, at this rate, become uh, movies starring uh People that um, are dead. No, <laughs> that that Mark disagrees with politically, because, <laughs> because this one is from 1959 and is Charlton Heston in Ben Hur. Okay. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're you're right about on both counts. <laughs> um, I love Ben Hur, and it's just a happy coincidence that it was uh, Best Picture for 1959, um, because it's uh, it is the the quintessential big uh, biblical spectacular uh, to end all biblical spectaculars. Um, and uh, it, I think it, it's the best done of that genre in my mind. Um, you know, the, obviously Spartacus uh, came out uh, with Kubrick. I don't like Spartacus as much. 
I don't like the Ten Commandments as much. I don't like the robe. I don't like, uh, you know, uh, uh, greatest story ever told. Uh, you know, those are those are you know equally grand. But I think Ben Hur is most successful in terms of uh, performances and story and uh, just general look of the thing is so lush and beautiful. The cinematography by Robert Surtees is. Uh, very is so illustration-like. The whole movie looks gorgeous, and uh, I just really enjoy it. And it's imminently quotable. And as as goofy as it is, uh, I I really enjoy it. And mm-hmm. it's a, it has a great epic. great score, epic. Yeah. And uh, William Wyler uh, directed this, and it's just amazingly uh, lush. And the letterboxing we're going to have to do on the 4:30 movie for that. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, you have to have you have to have like five TVs strung yeah. next to each other to get <laughs> you know. I, I think it's like two eight three or something. The the uh, letterbox wow. is just unbelievably wide. I uh, I love Ben Hur. I find it incredibly exciting. Also, I find it lush um, <laughs> and luminous. I, and luminous. No, I, I think it is. It's so awesome. I think that it needs to be remade. No, no. Uh, no, 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 no. We keep no. you alive to serve this shit. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, it, you know, look, Ben Hur, great, great movie, great choice. Um, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I, I don't remember what else was. Um, up against Ben Hur that year, but that was one year the Academy definitely got it right. I think. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you actually. Um, oh, you have it. I do have it here. Um, uh, the other films nominated that year were Anatomy of a Murder uh, mm-hmm. by America's uh, Mr. Friendly, Otto Preminger. Right. <laughs> I'm being facetious. Everyone who's ever worked Mr. with him Freeze. says he's a complete asshole. Um, <laughs> the uh, The Diary of Anne Frank uh, mm-hmm. by George Stevens. Um, Garbage. Like Ben-Hur, only <laughs> Garbage. Which, uh, um, who I did agree with politically, Audrey Hepburn. Um, the Nun Story, directed by Henry Blank. Um, and then Room at the Top. So, you, you know, go. clearly, well, Ben-Hur, see that one either. they got it right that year. <laughs> you, um, had a, you had a two out of five chance of nominating a movie from 1959. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, and just hugely influential. I mean, that chariot race sequence is just a uh, you know bravura. Absolutely, filmmaking. absolutely, and you know it, it stops the show for this you know uh, fifteen minute long uh, uh, exploration of stunts and speed and uh, and camera work. And it inspired so many other movies, including like the Phantom, including Menace. The Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If only uh, too much. Uh, wasn't, unfortunately, wasn't uh, Stephen Boyd? Uh, Stephen Boyd uh, was uh, plays. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Masala. I'm t- trying to remember Chicken Masala. Chicken Tikka, <laughs> it's it's chicken tikka Masala. <laughs> yeah. um, well, he's come here from India. To... And he, apparently, he was cast like a the week before favor. it started shooting. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he, he was brought on really late in in uh, in the course of things. Uh, Stephen Boyd was hired like a week before they started shooting. So he had to sort of train to to drive these chariots really quickly. But, you know, uh, all that stuff was uh, towards the end of the production. Now uh, you may... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You may wonder why Steve is uh, <laughs> mentioning uh, Stephen Boyd on Oscar <laughs> week. Now, for those of you who may not have heard one of our earlier podcasts, Stephen Boyd was the star of a movie that will not be appearing in Oscar week called... called 
the Oscar. <laughs> and I think we talked about this. We did a um, long time ago. Uh, it was about movie making. Movies about movie making. Wasn't it our Friday choice? Yes. It was our it Friday was. choice. It's a legendary, very hard to get uh, motion picture made by Avco Embassy. Uh, it's basically all about Eve set against the backdrop of the Oscars. And if you haven't it's seen all this about movie, speed, try and <laughs> try and try and try and track down this movie because it is one of the most unintentionally hysterical movies ever made, written by the late great Harlan Ellison, who uh, did not have it on his tombstone. No. <laughs> great, a great, great film. And I had we not picked it for films about filmmaking week, I think there's a very good chance Absolutely. this could have been it Friday's movie. Up, yes. <laughs> Ashley, Wednesday. So for Wednesday. Um, I'm going to pick a more recent Oscar winner uh, within the last 10 years that also happens to be one of my favorite movies. Driving Miss Daisy. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> um, the Artist. No, that's boring. Uh, you, you had me worried um, there for a second. No. The Artist previously known as The Artist. The Artist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever they were black and white and silent, nobody cared. Uh, it also happens to be my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Oh, oh yes. excellent choice. Uh, yeah. The Great No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. based on a novel uh, by the always fascinating, sometimes difficult to read, not in parsing the language, but just um, the uh, the brutality of the of the writing, uh, Cormac McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the movie was nominated for eight Oscars. It won four. Uh, I believe that it won a uh, Best Picture, uh, Best Director. It won. Um, Best actor, best supporting actor for Javier Bardem uh, as Anton Chigurh, who's basically um, a Terminator with a very specific point of view, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and best adapted screenplay. Um, and having read the novel a lot, it's also one of my favorite novels. It's an incredible adaptation of that book. Um, it takes a slightly different POV of the of the story, um, but the story is essentially Josh Brolin plays. Um, a rancher basically named Lane Llewellyn Moss and um, Moss is out hunting and when he's out hunting um, he comes across uh, the the outcome of a, of a drug deal with like you know cartel guys and all this other shit that uh, that didn't go very well um, he finds a man dying um, and he finds a big bag of money uh, he goes home and he realizes that he left this man back there to die uh, and so he returns to give him water as an act of kindness, but he returns at about the same time that the cartel shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of off to the races. Before he knows it, he really is in a, in a Terminator film where he is being hunted by Anton Chigurh, uh, who's, who's just an amazing villain, probably one of, I think, one of the best film villains um, of all time. I know that's a, that's, a, that's a bold statement, but I think it's true I, because he has, he is such a unique, specific character he is unstoppable he is relentless but he has a code um and javier bardem just makes him so incredibly interesting tommy lee jones plays the uh, the sheriff sheriff bell um with his uh, hilarious uh, deputy played by uh, garrett dillahunt um who is trying to piece together what's happened here um realizing what this man llewellyn moss has gotten himself into the middle of um, realizing what he himself has gotten into the middle of, and then trying to do the right thing by uh, by riding to this man's rescue, and the the you know the, the the bitter thing about this movie is that there is no riding to the rescue. The hero does not save the day, 
But, but, um, Josh Brolin gives such an amazing performance. His character, it's Thanos. Yes, it's Thanos. Yeah. Yes, um, <laughs> Thanos versus Anton Chigurh. Like, who does not want to see that, right? Anton Chigurh would win. You know what though? Here's the, so Thanos, you got a fifty percent chance of living. <laughs> Anton Chigurh, you got a fifty percent chance of living. <laughs> it's really they're the same, dude. <laughs> right? It's like who wins in that fight? I don't know. Flip a coin. I'm gonna press the button. Oh, oh my god, that's the Avengers Endgame I want to see. Yeah. Damn right. It is. Uh, but no, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Llewellyn Moss is just, he is endlessly resourceful. He is heroic. He's awesome. He's cool. Um, he does great stuff. There's like one of my favorite moments in film, actually, is he's being pursued by these pit bulls. They're like chasing him down. Like he's got a gun, but he's like trying to get it together and trying to get it loaded so that he can turn around. He can shoot. He goes into a river. Like, and as this dog jumps, he finally gets everything together and, and he like, he shoots it. And it's just, it's so well shot. It is so well choreographed. It's so well made. Um, I, I could watch this movie again and again. Um, I would use any excuse to recommend it for the God. 430 movie. You know, my, my favorite scene is the scene where he goes into the convenience store and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. has the altercation with the uh, the guy who works behind the counter there yeah. and fl- flips right. the coin. I God. You know, they say they don't make, make them like they used to. Well, this is one where they made them like they used to. The cones are... You know, just uh, amazingly facile working in every genre. We probably should devote a week to them at some point. I mean, we've already had Miller's Crossing during Gangster Week. Uh, now we have No Country for Old Men. Still won't be any problem to fill a, a week no, of Coen Brothers movies. But just a, a great pick, I think. Oh, and that, that final monologue by Tommy Lee Jones is just riveting and haunting. It's beautiful. And, you know, the, the one of the major differences between the film and the book is that the book is really from the sheriff's point of view Mm. and that monologue is a is a way into um you know how the sheriff uh how the sheriff thinks and like and what this what this all means to him and and what i love about the movie is that it does the audience a favor of not attempting to wrap it all up in a little bow Mm -hmm. um but instead allowing sheriff bell through tommy lee jones to 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 live inside um of these events uh, and, and to to live inside the, the fallout of them, um, it's just, again, it's just awesome. Now this was 2007. It was a pretty strong year because the other films nominated were Atonement, Juno, which has not really stood the test of ta- time, but at the at the time, uh, it was I think really beloved. I, Whereas I think Atonement really has. Yeah. Like, I think like Atonement, like it really, it's it's an interesting movie. And uh, you know, Juno was definitely the 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 of the moment movie with. Um, it was uh, the cool kids. It movie. was the cool yeah. kids movie. Yeah, yeah, with uh, um, uh, Jason Reitman, one of his first movies, and uh, then there was also Michael Clayton by Tony Gilroy, which terrific that movie, was very right. solid. Yeah. Oh, really, really great writing. I think it won the WGA award that year. Um, and then this is the only thing I think that really gives No Country for Old Men a run for its money is uh, There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Paul Anderson movie that year, which is also but a really, really terrific. I would have loved brothers drank their milkshake. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of say I'm not a huge fan of that film, but I do. I love No Country for Old Men. No, <laughs> I, I do too. I think it's a fantastic, a fantastic pick. Um, it's luminous. <laughs> no, I don't know. There's not much luminosity no, going on there, but um, it's a pretty. Um, it's it's, a, it's bleak. It's man. intense. I mean, yeah. you know, if, a lot of people think of Oscar-winning films as being kind of boring or pretentious or, or something like that. Where No Country for Old Men is it's a suspense film. It's a thriller. You know, it's, it's and a western and a, and a western of sorts. Yeah, it's a it's a very if you like a suspenseful. Uh, 
films, definitely want to check this out. You know, McCarthy generally just writes um, the a as he recontextualizes and takes kind of very B plots and turns them into A stories. Uh, and No Country is, I think, an example of that. Um, you know, I'm only half kidding when I say Anton Chigurh is a Terminator. I mean, because that You're not structure, half he is. Yeah. the structure of that story is really a Terminator film. Yeah, One of the, the images that haunts me the most from it is just him in a car and he's driving and he's got this little detector. He's looking for the signal from the mm -hmm. bag of money and he's just waving it back and forth slowly and there's just no affect. Mm -hmm. um, and you're with Josh Brolin and he's like in the, the motel room and you just you just feel it. You feel like the inevitability. That sense of doom. Yes. You know who you didn't mention who had a smaller role in the film? Uh, who's freaking phenomenal, uh, Woody Harrelson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Woody Harrelson is so good. And in fact, it's, it's in, a, in a lot of ways to me, presaged his role in Solo. Um, I just I just think he's terrific in I that I think movie. he's an underrated actor in general. Yeah. I mean, he you know he kind of got his big start on Cheers as kind of the, the goofy doofus, bar, yeah. doofus bartender. Yeah. But he is a great dramatic actor. And he can play characters that are scary as hell. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And yet, do something like uh, White Man Can't Jump. But also be charming yeah, and yeah, funny. Yeah, he's, yeah. I think he's one of our, our great actors right and now. And you know what he was great in? As LBJ and Rob Reiner's yeah, LBJ. He yeah, was, was good in that. Great, great performance last year. So, I mean, he's just he's a real chameleon and a really underrated actor. Um, and he's, he's really great in um, No Country for Old Men. Really terrific pick. So, Thursday, I, I got to tell you. Um, I'm having a tough time, not for the usual reasons that there's so many great movies to pick from, only because I'm pretty sure my inclination I picked for Love uh, Love Story Week a few weeks ago. Mm. And that movie was 1942's Casablanca. You know what? I think you did pick it. And yeah. I think I did. So I'm not going to go with Casablanca, which really leaves me in a bit of a quandary. Um, you know, you, you probably would think my instinct is to go with 1977's Annie Hall, and it is. Um, because I love Annie Hall, um, you know, Woody Allen's film, but I still can't forgive you for what it did to the death of my Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, but um, I, you know, I'm tempted to do Annie Hall, but, you know, um, but I really, uh, you know, and even though Gordy Willis shot that and, and is brilliantly written, brilliantly directed, um, I think that there are movies that are more, more deserving as much as I, I, I adore Annie Hall. Um, and uh, you know, we during Gangster Week we intentionally omitted the Godfather films, <laughs> yeah. and it's like you know, is it is it time for the Godfather movies? Nineteen seventy two, nineteen seventy four. God, I, maybe I feel, it is. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that has to be Coppola Week. I um, kind of feel that way too. Yeah. So you know, it, is it like a strategy to this? I mean, people don't realize you know how difficult and 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 how much we're up against the wall with these, and and you know, risk uh, risk picking the wrong film. Uh, um, you know, lives could be lost. I'm a right. I'm obviously a huge Billy Wilder film, so I wrestled with The Apartment, 1960, another wonderful, wonderful film. I, I, but I, think, I was wrestling with that. I, yeah. I, I was going to say, I, yeah. I know how much you love that movie, so maybe it's something to keep in mind for Friday. And there's a couple others that we've already done as well. Patton, we've already done. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh, Unforgiven, we we already Unforgiven did. Unforgiven and Western uh, and Amadeus. So I I think I got it. I think I got it. Um, I think I got it. Um, <laughs> Oh man! Damn. Say it! Say it! Okay, use uh, your words. I, I'm gonna yeah, the the few that I have left that I can remember. Um, I'm gonna go with 1950s All About Eve. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, we've talked about All About Eve being an influence on a lot of other movies we like, but there's a reason. It, uh, Joseph Mankiewicz 
um, brilliantly written story of betrayal and treachery and backstabbing in the theater world, which could just as easily apply to the business world and of film and television. Uh, it starts at the Sydney Sidden's uh, Award um, with this brilliant monologue voiceover by George Sanders. Uh, it is a, a, a tour de force performance by the great Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. And Baxter's wonderful in it. I just um, want to let you know that we've had two Mr. Freezes mentioned. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> it's Mr. Wow. Freeze week next <laughs> on the 430 and, and movie. <laughs> wow, we're hitting for the Mr. Freeze cycle. Right. Now we just got to get Schwarzenegger <laughs> Maybe Eli Wallach will show up sometime. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised because maybe on Coppola week, Godfather yeah. 3, maybe oh, not. Eli Wallach is in... Um, Magnuson 7. Yeah, and uh, whatchamacallit. Yes, the watch. Oh, in, in, in the you yeah. picked it. Yes, you yeah. picked it. In the good, bad, oh, the ugly. Yeah, we ugly. got yeah. them all. <laughs> <laughs> and Schwarzenegger was in the Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. We, we go. got all four Mister Freezes. <laughs> but not Michael and Sarah from the animated show. Oh, that's right. But he was well, on Glorious Buck Rogers in the 25th yes. century. The the te- the yes, the, we, the we did. Have, released. We no. have a full house of Mister wow. Freezes. We got a, a royal Fizbin. That's crazy. Because we're that, not even recording on a Tuesday. What are the odds of that? <laughs> that would be a freeze-bin. <laughs> a freeze-bin. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just had to mention that. But <laughs> That's <laughs> wild. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you kids out there have no idea hey, what we're freaking Darren, talking about. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> oh, my God. We are just giddy today here on the 430 movie. So all about, all about Eve. Eve. Uh, yeah, again, uh, Joseph Mankiewicz. It's just, you know, it it, it it provides the template for great movies and then a couple of not so great movies like the Oscar, uh-huh. which is basically all about Eve set against the backdrop of the Oscars. Showgirls, another mm-hmm. uh, NC-17 X-rated movie that was never nominated for an Oscar <laughs> and deservedly so. I think it um, won some Razzies. Uh, and, deserve, and deservedly <laughs> so. Um, and uh, Just an awful movie. And I'm a huge Paul Verhoeven and yet, fan. Oddly compelling and entertaining. In many ways. Yes. In many ways, it is. It's no all about Eve. It's no all about Eve. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to go. I, I, it's so well deserved. It's a, a great film from 20th Century Fox. Um, I'm curious. Let's see what other movies were nominated that year. But I can't imagine there would be anything even in that ballpark of um, 1950. Okay. So the other movies nominated were Born Yesterday, mm-hmm. which eh. mm-hmm. Father of the Bride. Yeah. King Solomon's Mines. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought we had it easy here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, thank God we nominated, uh, well, not, we wouldn't have been eligible because we're only doing Best Picture, but there is a movie that should have won Best Picture that that All About Eve beat. This is this is a Star Wars Annie Hall year. Are you ready? Avatar. <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, wow. Okay, well, there you have it. It's interesting, the parallels between yeah. the two movies. Yeah. yeah, it's very much so. Very much so, and, and 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 I think uh, Mal, um, Mankiewicz in, 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 in was a cynic in the way that Wilder was too. Mm. Now, of course, Mankiewicz didn't flee Nazi Germany the way Wilder did, um, but um, but he would have. And then you know, I'm also very fond of, of Mankiewicz's uh, son, uh, Tom Mankiewicz, uh, who of mm-hmm, course yeah. wrote Diamonds of Forever and Live and Let Die, and uh, was and a, Superman, and, and, and Superman, Superman, and uh, was just a really wonderful guy. And I love his autobiography. 
um, my my Mankiewicz is my bond. My word is my bond. I forget what it was called, but it's a great. He wrote a great biography before he died again, too young, and he was a script doctor, worked on a ton of movies we're not even aware of. Um, so yeah, my pick is uh, all 1950s Eve. All About Eve, which brings us to Friday. Friday. So, uh, Steve, I got a question for you as we yeah. get into Friday. Have you ever picked your toes in Poughkeepsie? <laughs> yeah, the French <laughs> Connection. Uh, a terrific, uh, a terrific uh, cop movie. Popeye Doyle. Popeye Doyle. I love that movie. I, I could have easily gone with that too for uh, for yeah, Thursday. It's a good one. It's a really great movie, and uh, William Freakin. Uh, that car chase, uh, you know, no long before CGI, long before permits. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's crazy. And, and and people think, oh, you know, we've seen so many cop shows since then. You know, isn't this just a glorified TV movie? No, no, it's not. Gene Hackman yeah. and Roy Scheider uh, give brilliant performances in it. Uh, it's based on the real real case of real detective Eddie Egan. Um, and uh, so the iconic, you know, car chase sequence. So uh, great. But even the suspense, the, the cat and mouse on the on the subway train yeah. with the French, the Frenchman. And um, it's just uh, there's so much of a movie. Uh, and it, that gritty shot on the streets of New York in the early 1970s. It, it's 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 fantastic brilliantly shot uh, uh bill fraker right i think mm-hmm. bill fraker yeah, shot that i think so um just a really really great movie so that that for me would be uh, you a know one of continue. one of my picks i got one that uh, it's oh, go ahead. the poster for it hangs in my home i don't have oh, a lot yeah. of wall space but this is a poster that i have uh, uh linen backed and and hanging on my wall and it can be uh it can be named uh I can name that movie in eight notes. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia? Oh, Bridge of the oh, River Kwai. Yes. Oh, Bridge my God. Of Kwai. That was Bridge of the River Kwai. Okay. Madness. 1957. Madness. Yeah. Madness. What have I done? Alec Guinness, uh, William Holden, just a terrific war movie. Uh, directed about, by David uh, Lean. Directed mm-hmm. by David Lean. A great epic uh, tale. Uh, just a terrific movie. And as Colonel Saito, the... Uh, uh, inimitable Sesu Hayakawa, who's amazing. Well, and and you you mentioned David Lean. Obviously, we didn't talk about 1962's Lawrence of Arabia, which we neglected for War Week for uh, World War I, which we probably should consider it as well. Uh, And Lawrence of Arabia, of course, is, you know, like Ben-Hur, cinema, movies, it's what movies are all about. You know, it's not just uh, something you watch on your phone. And if you do, I feel so sorry for you. Although I Does have really watched Lawrence of Arabia on my phone. And it yeah, but pretty- oh, it's okay if you've seen it. It's okay if you've yeah, seen it before. Right. People who watch these movies for their first time on their phones, you know, it's a shame. I, I, it's a shame. It really is a shame because you're not really seeing the movie. Right. And and, and Bridge of the Requi is a movie that people might have heard of but have never seen. And right. I would encourage you to seek it out. They've done a wonderful restoration. Uh, I think Robert Harris mm-hmm. yes. did a restoration of it. It's and, on 4K. And the 4K yep. is. Gorgeous. And I always wondered uh, if I know it's one of Spielberg's f- favorite movies mm-hmm. because when I got my poster framed, uh, the the frame shop that I took it to is does a lot of framing for celebrity types. And, and that was one of the reasons they shot uh, Temple of Doom. I in was gonna. Sri I was just gonna make that point. The, yeah. the bats. Yes. I think there, that's there's a, direct, a scene in Temple that's a direct of Doom pull with from... all the bats, and there's a great scene in River Kwai where they're uh, ambushed and they're, mm-hmm. they're they're going out into the woods and the gunfire makes all the bats. You see the shadows the of the bats yeah. flicking on everything. It's and terrific. It's great. Yeah, and the they the on Temple of Doom they visited some of the same locations that were mm-hmm. used on Kwai. Yeah. I, mean, I love that movie. Perfect ending. What oh. we got here is a dead shark. 
you know. Oh. Annie Hall, I still, you know, would put in contention for Friday. Uh, his the brilliant romantic comedy with Diane Keaton and Woody Allen and uh, Tony Roberts. Um, the Sting, Robert Redford and Paul Newman, absolutely, nineteen seventy three, super fun. Super fun. And I, I want to swing back to talk about the apartment. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah it's, well, let's do that. It's just so wonderful. You know, uh, uh, Billy Wilder at his, at the, I think, the peak of his abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is so beautiful and so touching and so complicated. Uh, the performance um, of, uh, of, you know, uh, yeah, my mind just went. Shirley MacLaine? Uh, Shirley, Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon are so freaking good in this, and all the secondary characters are so amazingly oh cast. Fred McMurray is wow. so good, and it's worth noting that the movie was a huge influence on Matthew Weiner yeah. for Mad Men. Absolutely, and you know he talks about you know watching that in North by Northwest as as you know when he was working on Mad Men, and of course. There's so many elements of like the Fred McMurray character sure. that found its way mm. into Don Draper, and it's just uh, it, it, it's McMurray is such a scumbag. Oh my he's god, so great though. Yeah, amazingly, and uh, that's you know for people you know we grew up knowing him from My Three Dads yes. on TV. My three sons. My three sons. Yeah, yeah. My, three, <laughs> my three dads. That's a whole different. That's a, uh, <laughs> that's but, a whole different show. Well, dad and dad and uh, dad and dad. The, there was an interchange between Fred McMurray and and Billy Wilder on this because. Uh, Billy Wilder had cast someone else in this role at first, and for some reason I can't remember what it was. They had to drop out, and Billy Wilder called uh, Fred McMurray, and Fred McMurray said, "You only call me when you need something." Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Fred McMurray was uh, uh, originally um, kind of uh, cautious about taking this role because of because he was a, a, a total mm-hmm. bastard, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, "You know, I, I'm doing these Disney movies. I, I can't, I can't." You know, be in something like this. How's that going to affect yeah, my, my career? You know, career. Um, and he but, was very picky, Fred McMurray. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, I mean, he well, obviously he was in Double Indemnity. Well, he's he's so great in Double Indemnity, right? Yeah. But even when he was doing My Three Sons, he would only work one day a week, right? You know, and he had very. But I mean, he's yeah, he's a, he's a total scumbag in in Double Indemnity too. Or yeah. it's different. It's a different kind of scumbag. In it was a, well, Indemnity. it was a different time in his career. Yes. Yeah. So he was he he was you know he had changed. His uh, his uh, public appearance, uh, <laughs> but he's and great, and it's a role he's, he's amazing. most remembered for too. He's amazing. His, his uh, daughter was at SC when we were there. Fred McMurray's daughter. Yeah. Oh wow. I never knew her. Yeah. Do the lambs still cry, Clarice? Ooh. Oh yes. A film from that has won one of the few films that won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Actress. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I like Silence of the Lambs a lot. It's not my best picture. No. You know, it's like, I, it's not, to me, like, one of those movies I, I put in, like, the history of movies is, like, one of the great, great movies. But, I, I, I mean, I really like it. Hugely influential, yeah. however. Yeah. It, it Maybe more so in television than films, but that was a film that came out that I think was perceived as just another sort of, uh, you know, uh, psycho killer thriller. Mm-hmm. And... I had this was one of those movies I went in and had zero expectations and I was absolutely blown away by that movie and I watched it again earlier this year and so did I it's 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 so well constructed yeah and yeah. it's based you know on a, no, a great novel by Thomas but, Harris by yeah. Thomas Harris you know who's kind of um, forgotten in that list of kind of great 
performers in that movie is Scott Glenn. Yeah, yeah. Scott Glenn's really good great. in that. And you know he was a great character actor at the time because he had just done Hunt for Red October, mm-hmm. and and he's in uh, uh, he's Sons in the right stuff. He's re- right stuff. Yep. He's really good. And uh, you know it's funny. I just watched Sons of Lambs recently too because it got bumped up to 4K on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, it's in 4K. I gotta right. watch it now. And it, Criterion just released mm-hmm. a great set of it yeah, as I got well. That, the Criterion. And um, it's a really good movie. I'm not in any way diminishing it. I, I was a little surprised it won Best Picture. I'll have to look and see what it was up against that year. But um, uh, it, Jonathan Demme is a totally underrated director, and, yeah. and again, died way too too young. Um, but uh, and you know, Jodie Foster is just great in it, and, and and some of the transitions are terrific. And one of the great thriller beats of all time when they go into the house and Mr. you think Red. they're going to rescue it's right. great great misdirection. It was Howard, it was Howard Shore. Did yes. Score? Mm-hmm. yes, really good score. score. It's amazing. Yeah. And what I, year I, was I, that? Ninety-one. Uh, yeah, ninety-one. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our our my friends the Kaplan brothers who are composers mm. who came up with an amazingly hilarious musical based on Silence of the Lambs that has been performed in, in New York and L.A. and and uh, places in between. It's hilarious. It's called Silence with, with an a, exclamation point. An exclamation point. And well, I think I gave it. I gave it to that name. But uh, you can listen to the songs on YouTube. The songs are on YouTube, and they are very closely related to the Howard Shore score. Yeah, it's very, very well clever, done. really yeah. clever guys, super guy, super talented Fun. guys, and I, 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 and you know, it was really a great achievement. I, I now I'm looking at that year, and this is a really hell of a year, mm-hmm. um, because uh, and this is what I was talking about. I love Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. It would not have been my pick for best mm-hmm. best picture. I'll tell you why. It was up against Beauty and the Beast, the animated Beauty and the yeah, Beast, I love. Which, uh, was, uh, which was first animated film ever nominated for best picture. Yeah. Um, Bugsy <laughs> Barry Levinson's yeah. Bugsy, which yeah. I I also love. <laughs> would it could have been my pick for, but I'll tell you what I would have given best picture to okay. JFK. Back Ooh. and to the JFK. left. JFK and which I, to me is 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 a better movie, and then Prince of Tides, which is no, also no. nominated. Not to be confused, <laughs> yeah, not which, to be confused with Robin Hood, Prince of Tides. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Prince of Tides, I, Detergent. See, I, I would still go with Silence. I think Silence of the Lambs I, I, is yeah, a better. Too. I think so too. Movie. It's a complete package entertainment. Uh, JFK is brav- amazing filmmaking. I mean, the filmmaking in that movie is incredible, and but, it has some great sequences. In but it. there are some things that are really odd about JFK, uh, like casting things, and it, it's just it's really it's sort of off kilter. It's from, an interesting movie, and I, I love it. I think it's terrific. It's the shortest three-hour movie I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> right. Wow, right. what a great way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I would have gone with JFK, but uh, no, in no but way. Fair. Yeah, uh, but I, I do love uh, I Silence of the Lambs, and, and it's great, and it's definitely worth considering. Um, Lambs. There's so many, so many more movies, right. and uh, I, I Schindler's guess. Schindler's List. Schindler's List, right. yep. Another, uh, if I remember, another really strong year. Yeah, um, 93. With Schindler's List. Schindler's List was... What was Schindler's List against? Oh, yeah. What was it? Um, I'm sorry. What, what year was that? 93. I think we're preparing for the 30 years ago today panel. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, we can't, we can't do that because we don't want to let people know when we're recording these. That's true. <laughs> what? Um, anyway, 1993. Um, I don't it's know. erased well, from existence. I, I, yeah, I was going to say. You know, it would be nice if I had this organized chronologically. So that well, how actually, is it not chronological? I could find the actual movies. Um, Meanwhile, I'll tell you, you know, why I love like Silence of the Lambs. It's okay. because I think of of all of the, um, well, with the exception maybe of No Country for Old Men, it's certainly yeah. I think one of the best written 
mm-hmm. um, of the of the film. I mean, it's hard to argue with like Billy Wilder, but I just mean um, in, in terms of uh, the last thirty years, twenty and thirty years, like that screenplay is just so. It's really tight. Good. It's so tight. It's so smart. It's and it has like, it way get, more severed heads than the previous. It really ones. does. Now, and it's and the thing that I, I love most about it is if you really kind of pare it down, it's really a, a story about a psychiatrist who just wants to be a good doctor, <laughs> right? It's like, it, 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 it sounds like I'm making a joke, but I'm not. Like Hannibal Lecter in that movie, he is he is trying to be. A good psychiatrist. What Clarice Starling brings to him is a patient with a need, mm-hmm. and he sits with her and he works with her, and he's a good therapist. Um, you know, there's a, there's a reason why at the end he's like not going after her to kill her because mm-hmm. she did make him free, not just because he escaped, but right. because she gave him purpose again, and he helped her. It's right. it's brilliant. And how great is that? A Grand Guignol scene where he escapes. Oh, right. yeah. You know, no, so the good. Hannibal Lecter escape. You know, from the pr- prison. Uh, is incredible, and uh, the intercutting and the suspense of the SWAT team trying to find him, knowing how dangerous right. he is, and what we ultimately find out uh, about him. And then it's so audacious because then he's gone from the whole third act. Right. He's all, and then that great tag at the end. It, it's really having an old friend for dinner. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 wonderful. Now, I'm I mean, huge... I almost picked this for Love Story Week. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I'm a, I'm a huge Manhunter fan too, so. You know, I love Alex uh, Alex Cox. I love Brian Cox as, right, yeah. as Hannibal Lecter as well. It's a very different performance. Now, Schindler's List, I think, definitely uh, deserved Best Picture that year because it was against uh, In the Name of the Father, That's The Piano, good. Remains like of the piano. Day, and The Fugitive. I love Remains of the Day. Movies, yeah, so I, I liked all, I like but all Schindler's movies. List. Is, yeah, Schindler's uh, List is, uh, yeah. You know, a huge... Huge, hugely looms so. Which I, I also rewatched that movie earlier this year, and it's one of those movies that I saw I think twice when it was out originally, mm-hmm. and I, I bought it on Laserdisc, and I started to watch it. And I just—it's one of those movies that is great. It's so hard. It's a to tough watch. film to watch. It's a very difficult. And film I just to watch. put it on. I find like I have to rewatch this movie. I haven't seen it in years, and it has—it lost none of its power. No, it's a testament to his filmmaking skills that it is so difficult to watch that film. Obviously, it comes with the baggage of what it's about, so it's not and an easy film to watch. The idea that he made it the same year as Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park is insane. I—I right. I, and that takes us back to Spielberg week, and just yeah. uh, you know, another filmmaker who. Um, you know, we we just are in awe of, and deservedly so. Yeah. You know, for his accomplishments. Okay, so I mean, the, the the best years of our lives uh, is mm-hmm. probably best known for spoiling the Oscar chances of It's a Wonderful Life. Right. But and and I always kind of looked at it that way, and then I finally saw the best years of our lives. It's yeah. really damn good. Yeah, it is. Super long, <laughs> depressing, but really good. Not the shortest three-hour okay, movie. I briefly no. mentioned during uh, Bridge Road to Cry, Lawrence of Arabia, again, yeah. it would, would strongly put that in contention. One of the more recent uh, films I, I really like, and I'm probably in the minority here, is Ben Affleck's Argo. I thought it was a terrific mm. film, which it's I really like. It's a terrific film. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I, I wouldn't um, yeah. either. Um but I wanted to I wanted to mention it. You know, Gladiator falls into Gladiator. that category as well. Right, the right. 2002 out Best Picture winner, which I really like and enjoy watching and watch a lot. But it's doesn't. Uh, yeah. It's no Ben Hur. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Return um, of the King. You know, uh, 
Maybe well, probably not the best of well, the Lord of the Rings movies. That the but... Return of the King is sort of the, the culmination of like yeah. of those three right. films. Like if the if you really consider it an the award, award for is the Lord for all of the three Rings. films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and 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 you know it's great to see Peter Jackson win an Oscar and see those films acknowledged by the Academy. Certainly wouldn't put it alongside Casablanca and The Godfather and these these classic but, uh, films that we're talking about. A great achievement and a great entertainment. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, it's and a good capper to the end of his career. <laughs> oh, Darren, oh, harsh, Darren. man. What would Richard Taylor have to say to that? <laughs> um, what voice was that? I don't know. What about uh, James Mason? I'm not the man of voices. I don't do voices. I never claimed to be a voice dude. The guy who does voices. What about the, the feel good hit of 1976? It's Rocky. 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 Right, we already, uh, Rocky already with Sports, sports Week. We did right. Rocky, we did yeah. Rocky oh, with Friday okay. on Sports yeah, Week. Yeah, you're right. So, um, the yeah, last emperor, yeah, Bernardo yeah. died recently. Bernardo Bertolucci, and you know that's what's sad. It used to be these these legendary directors would die, and it felt like a big deal. Yeah. Bertolucci died, and like nobody was talking about it, nobody yeah. cared. I mean, I guess there was some controversy over the last Tango in Paris. I mean, but Bertolucci, it's like I couldn't believe there was no acknowledgement. Oh, conformist. You know, yeah, I mean, I really like Hurt Locker, Catherine Bigelow's film Locker. from mm-hmm. two thousand nine. I, 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 I was... saw the screener for that, like in. He's in it out like in August or September. I, I saw that. the screener. Because you couldn't see it in the theater. Yeah, they hadn't yeah. like released it wide. And yeah, so yeah. they had sent it out. And I was just looking for shit to watch. And so I watched it. And I, when I saw it, I thought, this is going to win. Like, I just knew. Like, hey, Ashley, I watched it on the screener also. You did? Okay, yeah, cool. Don't tell yeah. anybody. That's how I saw it, too, <laughs> when I got my screener. We need to come up with a decision for we Friday. We do. Okay, Friday, Friday. So um, I love the Bridge in the River Quietia. And I'll tell you why. Because of Alec Guinness. Yeah, and because yeah, so um, finally gets we, an award for Star Wars. What? That's right, because right. you know Star Wars missed it in 1977. This is kind of our way of acknowledging Star Wars by acknowledging <laughs> Alec Guinness and Bridge in the River Kwai, and they're basically the same movie if you really think about it. At the <sighs> end, they blow up this big thing, and it's okay. I see. For me, it's the apartment or French Connection. <laughs> if only Alec Guinness were in the apartment. Wow, that would be perfect. <laughs> if Fred McMurray had passed, <laughs> I'd love to see that. Oh my goodness. I don't. I don't wish to give them to you, Mister Mister Barnes, but I, I wish to swap them. <laughs> That'd be very weird. I don't know. What, what do you What do you think, Steve? Where's your head at? Uh, you know, I love all these films that we've talked about. I, I'm all for anything that gives attention to a movie like The Apartment. I love The Apartment. I I always be thankful to Darren for introducing me to that movie. He invited a group mm. of people over to That's his, right. your yeah. apartment once and uh, showed the movie. I'd never seen it. And I'm like, wow, this movie's great. <laughs> Can I just say, since we already have Ben-Hur, which is a big epic movie yeah. that I feel, look, I'm not knocking Prisoner of Requi, which is amazing. Well, maybe we'll pick it another week. But, you know, for In epic fact, movies we definitely week. will. Um, for, you know, for, for, for VistaVision week. But um, my, 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 I would really strongly, I'm even thinking now, like, I know I was saying the French connection, the apartment, but I'm sort of leaning towards the apartment also. Cool. I'm all for that. So say we all. You know, and then and then it's sequel The Condo, which didn't right. win an uh, Oscar. So uh look, this has been Oscar Week. Monday. Uh, Midnight Cowboy. Tuesday. Ben Hur. Wednesday. No country for old men. Thursday, it's um all about Eve. <laughs> <laughs> and Friday, it's the apartment. 
Uh, wow. Which, which wraps it up movie-wise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what a great what a great week of Oscar-winning movies. I hope people who haven't seen these movies will, will seek them out on the 430 movie or wherever they uh, can uh, purchase or, or stream uh, content. These are all great, great movies. You won't go wrong with any of them. If you have a chance to see them on the big screen, of course, that's so. the best way. But, Do it. You know. Do it. Not on your phone. But we have big screens in our homes now, so we do. it's almost as good. And that's why the Oscars endure, because, you know, they call attention to these these movies every yeah. year. And, you know, I think the Library of Congress is doing a great job now preserving, like, these classic important movies. But, you know, there's nothing like a movie saying Academy Award winner, Oscar winner, slash yeah. trademark registered trademark <laughs> right. of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Uh, so uh, I want to thank everybody. I want to say we'll uh, remind you we'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of the 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Meanwhile, we hope you'll check out our sister shows, Inglorious Trexperts, the ultimate Star Trek podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and Disco Nights, a celebration of all things Star Trek Discovery with host Chase Masterson and guests. Uh, meanwhile, if you want to check out uh, previous episodes of 430 Movie or purchase some of our great 430 Movie logo wear, you can go to 430movie.com or suggest future theme weeks or tell us how we screwed up at Twitter at 430 Movie Podcast. I always love hearing how we screwed up, by the way. And, <laughs> they uh, keep us honest. On, they do. Uh, on, 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 and we'll keep, uh, you know, I think we're going to go to the mailbag in a future week and, mm-hmm. and share some of these things, these emails and, and tweets that we're getting. Um, because we, we love hearing from you. And if, if you're feeling really generous, please go on Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars. It really helps uh, bring attention to the show. And uh, finally, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Studios for making the show possible. Thank you, guys. And uh, until next week, on behalf of Stephen, Ashley, Darren, and myself, Mark Altman, thanks for joining us here on the 430 Movie. Eyewitness News starts now. This episode brought to you by Dunder Mifflin, limitless paper in a paperless world. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.